This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. We're going to hit our Thursday live mailbag. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, and we will continue to yell at you through your screens, as, as I, I assume you all enjoy because you're here. Here's one from... Don Tomasino, a guy after my own heart, says the Saints haven't gotten any good players from the Senior Bowl. It's almost like he did not watch our last video where I spent like 45 minutes talking about all the players the Saints have gotten out of the Senior Bowl. But um, we can go through the list again right here. Not the entire list, but just a few of them, just the good picks. Yeah, give them the good ones. Yeah, so last year, Trevor Penning and Alante Taylor, I think – the jury's still out on both of those guys, but I feel good about them. 2019, you had Eric McCoy. 2016, you had Sheldon Rankins. 2013, you had Teron Armstead. 2011, you had Cam Jordan. 2010, you had Patrick Robinson and Jimmy Graham. 2009, you had Thomas Morstead. 2008, you had Tracy Porter and Carl Nix. 2006, you had Roman Harper. 2004, you had Devery Henderson. 2003, John Stinchcomb. Uh, that's probably, you know, the list of like really good players that you got. That's pretty good. That's more than, more than none. What's his name? The Goldilocks, the linebacker was pretty good. He was at the senior bowl, right? Alex Anzalone. Yeah. He wasn't terrible. He's fine. I would say he's below the bar of the players that I mentioned, right? Like there's a, there's a lot of decent players on there that I did not mention. Those are just the really good players. And so, I mean, that's probably what, 10, 12, you know, so I think the, the saying they haven't gotten any good players from the Senior Bowl, I mean, Cam Jordan's a Hall of Famer in my opinion. Easily, right. He's one of the best players in Saints history. I mean, they're, to uh, Don Tomasino's credit, I feel you, there's, there, there have been way too many flubs than, than there should have been, I guess. Oh, they definitely missed. We were just bitching about Peyton Turner. <laughs> right, like Peyton Turner, Marcus Davenport, Stefan Anthony, Stanley Jean Baptiste, like they have they have bad players at the Senior Bowl too. But I mean, you'll draft bad players regardless of whether they're at the Senior Bowl or not. Like that's it's like you have plenty of bad players and like bad draft picks out there to to worry about. Yes, every time you say that, I hear that Stanley Jean Baptiste, and I'm like, oh dear lord. Yeah, and it's a it's a bad look that both like I would argue that Marcus Davenport's biggest issue is is mental, right? And we talked about how like. You spend all this time trying to like go under the hood and, and figure out which you know which players kind of stand out from a from a mental perspective, and then you end up with two first round picks out of this scouting event where you're talking about one of these big deals is oh we get all this time to like learn about these players, and then you end up with issues that are 
purely non-physical. Well, at least that's true with Marcus, I think. Like with Peyton, I think that there are physical issues as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's that's that's frustrating. We've seen Davenport at least dominate physically. Well, that's why I say that, right? Like that's why I say that his issues are not physical because we have seen him be an elite pass rusher. You know, it was the year that he couldn't stay on the field for a lot of the games, but you know he led the team in sacks in the games he played. You think he had what twelve, thirteen? Um, and so, like, yeah, it's that's why you can say with him it is not a physical limitation. With Peyton, I don't know because we haven't seen either. But when, again, when you hear Jeff Ireland come out and give the very blunt assessment of his performance and what he has to do, it kind of indicates that, you know, there, there's, a, there's a little bit of both going on. Sean Sessions says, we're free-falling. Woo! You know? That, I, I'm not going to lie. So when, when I was talking to Ross Jackson about this, and he is a very he is a very strong supporter of drafting handed hooker at number 40. And, and I understand why I get it. But one of my questions is, so if the reason you are so confident about Hendon Hooker is that he fits perfectly in the Pete Carmichael offense, right? And, and you really like what he brings. Well, what happens, for example, if the Saints go 3-14 and 14 next year, which I, I don't expect, but I also don't see as out of the realm of possibility and then you clean house on the from a coaching staff perspective and you bring in a new offensive coordinator who is not Pete Carmichael and is going to revamp some of the things you're doing do you do you just throw Hendon Hooker into that offense because I do think that that he is a quarterback who makes sense in certain situations but does not make sense everywhere so like are you are you not preparing for that eventuality I don't know if you can like I don't think you can make decisions based on well what if we're the worst team in the NFL but I also don't think that you can make all of your decisions based on okay we're gonna have this coaching staff for the next 10 years because what we've seen thus far is not particularly encouraging no and they had a real chance to go out on a huge high obviously and pulled the rug out from all of us after getting our hopes up in that finale against Carolina because Man, that was just some god-awful football we watched. I was not ever going to be on a high, whether they won that game or not. Don't speak for me, sir. <laughs> uh, there's that little bit of a boost. At least you had that win streak you know, to close out the season. I would have preferred to not watch that game at all. <laughs> no, we would have been better off not watching it, for sure. And the reason I would have preferred it is because I knew it was going to look like that. Anyway, Vincent P., are we tanking early? See, I don't think that... like. It might sound like based on what I said that like I do think that might maybe that's what's going on. I don't think that's what's going on. Like I don't think this team is going to actively subvert their own chances to win. Dennis Allen heading into year 2, I'm going to I'm going to tank. No, like like that's what I'm saying. Like I don't think that this team would actively do that, but it might be out of your control. <laughs> and you have to uh, uh, and you have to at least be prepared for the possibility that this just goes down in flames. Right. And so if you're basing your draft pick around this is the guy that I want to pair with Pete Carmichael for the next five years, it might not be the best draft strategy. I'm just being honest. And I, I told that to Ross and he was like, you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> I think he's still all in on Hunden Hooker, but like I do think that it's a question you need to seriously ask yourself. The problem is you can't ask that internally because you can't go to a head coach and be like, should we really draft this guy if you're going to get fired next year? <laughs> no, and, I, and I, with Vincent, I understand too. It's like you see all of a sudden now losing these defensive pieces on the coaching staff. 
when the defense was one of the brighter spots, obviously, this past season. But to me, even with them being both, you know, the two co-coordinators, defensive coordinators, and what they also brought to their position group, you still had Dennis Allen calling the plays of that team. So I think you'll feel more on the defensive line in the secondary, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think if, if I have concerns going forward, one of them is, you know, it's not a good look when both of your co-defensive coordinators are just like getting out of town as quickly as possible. Like, like that's not a good look. And I think one of the reasons head coaching tenures fail beyond just not being a good head coach is not understanding how to delegate and not empowering the people who work for you that you have hired with the understanding that they can get the job done. And then that's when you lose quality coaches, right? Like, like these are guys who I think felt like they deserved a bigger role and they didn't get it. And that's, it's frustrating to me when you see it, when you see a coach that I would argue is a very good defensive coordinator, but doesn't do a lot of the head coach things. Well, it's like, why aren't you focusing on the head coach things? Like, I don't, you know, if you want to be a defensive coordinator, be a defensive coordinator, right? Like, I don't think that that Sean Payton succeeded as a offensive-minded head coach by stepping on the toes of all of the people he hired to to do their their jobs. But I do think that's how you fail as a head coach. And and so that's what I'd be worried about. But that said, like I'm not going to overvalue what happened with Ryan and what happened with Chris because this wasn't the necessarily the design of Dennis as a head coach, right? Like look at, for example, and this is maybe an unfair example, but it's an example. Look at the first year under Ed Ogeron with LSU. And he was kind of forced into the Matt Canada situation. And there was this idea that, well, we're not paying Ed that much. So we're going to hire these high price coordinators, regardless of whether they make sense. Well, it didn't really work. The next year you kind of let Ed build his own staff and suddenly you ended up with Joe Brady and Steve Ensminger and, and, and Dave Aranda. And, and that was like the best college football team of all time, right? All those guys left. And then you kind of got stuck with this situation again. Ed tried to hire Ryan Nielsen. Sean talked him out of it. Um, did him a favor, I would argue, because like where's Jake Peets now, right? Like, like <laughs> the, the coordinators on that team, uh, Durante Jones is back coaching defensive backs with the Vikings, right? So like... There are situations where, as a coach, you can succeed by empowering people, but you have to be willing to do that, and you have to be confident in those people. If if DA is able to bring in a defensive coordinator that that he's very confident in and he works well with, then maybe it's a net positive. But it's just not a good look when guys are just running out of town. I just thought it was odd. I understand even with Nielsen going on, finally getting to run his own defense kind of deal, leaving, you know, a little bit behind in New Orleans uh, for for a new challenge kind of kind of thing. But what just led me to think that Richard would be considered as the full-time DC then, and it just was weird that there seemed to be this falling out of scheme or not belief in the same direction kind of deal. And I'm just curious more about what fell apart with Richard at the end there. Yeah, right. And, and I know Nick Nick Underhill had a report that like they weren't necessarily seeing eye to eye in a lot of these situations. And it's it's weird because Dennis hired Chris. 
as to be a secondary coach, right? Like it's not like it's not like Sean was was building that defensive staff. Like DA was building his own defensive staff. And uh, it's it's strange because like as long as Dennis was there, you knew you weren't going to become the defensive coordinator. It's weird. It's a weird situation. It's just it is frustrating because the defense was not an issue with this team. Although, you know, we can say that and look at kind of the overall season they had. They did struggle early in the year. They did start really slow. And, you know, part of that, you know, it's hard to hold it too much against the secondary, especially when you played 10 games without Marshawn Lattimore and you saw how different things looked when he came back in week 17, right? And so, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's hopefully that whoever they bring in, like it, Chris was only there for two years. It's not like he built that entire, it's not like he developed Marshawn and, and built that entire secondary. Like it was Aaron Glenn until Chris Richard took over in 2021. So it's, you know, I, I'd be more, I'm more curious as to how things change on, from a defensive line standpoint than a, than a secondary standpoint. Is that a position they find in-house? That, that I'm not sure about, but if you do hire Joe Woods, he is kind of a secondary coach by trade. So maybe he has a big hand in in kind of leading that group. Oh, I thought you meant D-line. D-line, I was saying, I wonder if you find oh, someone in-house. Oh, yeah, it's possible. Um, I don't know if you have anyone that necessarily makes sense, right? Like you don't really have a kind of D-line coach waiting in the wings per se, but maybe you maybe Michael Hodges is a guy you move over. I think it's a – yeah, um, because I think they really like Michael Hodges, and I think D-line is kind of a more – high cachet uh, role than linebackers coach for some reason. I don't know why it is, but it seems like that. Um, Here's Walt Crawford. We should sign Baker Mayfield instead of Andy Dalton. We still need to draft a quarterback. I mean, sure. One way or another, you're, you're talking about a one year, $10 million deal, right? Like you're not, you're not signing, you're signing a bridge, which it's weird to say that Baker Mayfield is a bridge considering he's what, like 26 years old. Um, But you know, I think that is what he is. Actually, how old is Baker? Is he 28? He's still young enough uh, for sure to be considered amongst the, the you know, the younger guns. What's How old is he? 27. I think the, the reason that I almost prefer Andy Dalton in this scenario is if you are signing him to be a bridge, you want him to be a bridge. And there will never be any question as to whether you should move on from Andy Dalton at whatever point your rookie quarterback's ready. With Baker, I think there is more gray area, the same way there would be with Jameis, if you signed him and then you were like, well, he's playing really well, but we drafted this rookie that we intend to start. What do we do now? Um, and it's like, but but at the same time, the ceiling is not that high where you're like, well, we can just, it's not like Aaron Rodgers versus Jordan Love, right? Where you're like, okay, fine, we can just bail on Jordan Love because Aaron Rodgers is still playing at an MVP level. With Baker, you're talking about a guy who at his peak is like maybe a playoff, a fringe playoff quarterback, just like Andy Dalton. So, yeah. But but if, you, but if, if you're not signing him to be a bridge, right? Like I would rather you sign Baker with the upside that he does have as a 27-year-old rather than Andy with no one learning behind him. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I just worry with Baker, though, too. It's like, how many teams has he going through and is a guy... I, I just don't consider him on the upper crust of the... of a, a Not just, you know, your quarterback, just his, his accurate and overall, 
I don't have a problem with the attitude. I just think the output doesn't match the attitude. If that, if you know you, what I'm saying there, he's he's not the guy that should be getting all the commercials and getting all these headlines. I just think he's a less than average quarterback, honestly, in the league. See, I, I don't know about that. Like, I think he is a like you don't get drafted number one by accident. I think it's a mental thing with him. I think it's a leadership thing. It's the same reason Zach Wilson is struggling. It's like you like you, you have all the intangibles as a quarterback, but you don't have the mental fortitude to lead a team. And, you know, maybe that is something you can rehabilitate with Baker. Maybe he should stop being in as many commercials and you know, maybe he should focus on being a quarterback. But who Pete Carmichael's gonna rehab that out of Baker? No, I'm not saying he would. I'm just I'm just saying like from a from a upside perspective if if you are signing someone not to be a bridge and you are choosing between Andy Dalton and Baker I would go with Baker but that's just because like he has a little more excitement to his game I thought he actually played pretty well for the Rams right maybe maybe he has been humbled right maybe that you know maybe that is something that's happened the same way Geno Smith right kind of got flaked around everywhere, and then suddenly it was like, okay, I'm just going to settle in and, and learn how to be a winning quarterback. Remember Geno Smith got punched in the face by a teammate and broke his jaw, right? Like, like that was Geno Smith early in his career. Now Geno Smith is this mature quarterback who is just playing to his ceiling, and his ceiling is good enough to maybe not be a superstar, but to be a winning NFL quarterback. Maybe Baker can do that, you know? Hell, maybe Jameis can do that, the problem is I think the bridge is burned with Jameis and I don't think you're bringing him back. So, like, I don't know. But either way, what you have with Andy is just a very low, high floor kind of veteran. And that's not a guy who you're going to bring in to be anything more than a bridge. You mentioned that with Gino. Do you, did it ever come out on why he ended up getting slugged in the jaw? Talk shit, get hit. <laughs> I didn't know if there was any other kind of story behind it. I think that, yeah, the source has told me, talk shit, get hit. Heard that. Heard that. Yeah. So there's this graph you could look at if you, you know. Yes, right. Fuck around and find out, right? Yeah. If you you fuck around at a seven and you bring that over to the x-axis, then you will find out at a seven. Yeah, okay. Um, that is that is my, yeah, my resources have told me that that is what happened. He effed around and he found out. But yeah. But it, it, it's funny because at the time, I, you know, I was working in Myrtle Beach and I would always tell my sports editor at the time, his name was Dave uh, Wetzel. And we had this running joke that it was like, if you sign Ryan Fitzpatrick to be your backup quarterback, you are, you are guaranteeing. You, 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 like you might as well just throw your starting quarterback off a cliff because Ryan Fitzpatrick will be starting for your team in some way. It'll be ridiculous however it happens, right? Like Geno Smith will get punched in the face and break his jaw and Ryan Fitzpatrick will be your starting quarterback. It is inevitable. And just by signing him, you have cursed your starter. And that's what they did. And that's like Ryan Fitzpatrick started the rest of that season and he actually played pretty well. He ended up on the Bucks, And then, and then Jameis gets suspended and then Ryan Fitzpatrick is, you know, it's, it's uh, the curse of the Fitz. Um, but yeah. It's the Fitz magic. Yeah. Yes. That is the real Fitz magic. Um, all right, let's get a couple more questions in here and we can clear out. Leslie Cushenberry says, first round hooker, second round defensive tackle, third round running back, fourth round safety. What do you think? How does that sound? Pass it on to Loomis. <laughs> well, he's he, he's going to throw that out because hooker in the first round is not happening. Yeah, I don't think you're drafting hooker in the first round. But at the same time, if you do believe in Hendon Hooker, I'm okay with it. 
Like that's the thing is, you know, you don't wait around to if you if you think he's the guy. Now, if you don't think he's the guy, you're not drafting him at all. So like I almost think that if you are going to draft Hendon Hooker, you do draft him at 29 because if you don't and you say, well, he is the guy. We have evaluated him, and it, he checks all of our boxes. And then you say, but we're going to try to steal him at 40. And then he goes at 36. Then you have mismanaged your situation, right? It's the same reason like when Dave Gettleman took Daniel Jones at number six, everyone lost their collective mind. They were like, I can't believe you did that. You could have got him at 17. Well, sure, maybe. But if you truly believe that he's your franchise quarterback, then you can't guarantee you get him at 17. So you will draft him at number six and you will take Dexter Lawrence at 17. And like, you can say all the crap you want about Dave Gettleman. He nailed those two draft picks. And that was the pick he got in the Odell Beckham trade. How good has Odell Beckham been? So like, you know, I think when you're drafting a quarterback, you do have to just go for it. If you think he's the guy, you're not trying to get a value on your pick, right? And so like, that's why when you get out of the first round, if you don't, if your quarterback has not been taken in the first round and all 32 teams have passed on him, it's a pretty good indicator that you don't believe in him. And that's why, you know, Malik Willis goes until like the fourth round until someone's like, oh, fine, I'll take Malik Willis. (laughs) No, I kind of, I'll I'll backtrack that on Hooker too about the first round just because too, you get that fifth year option with the rookie deal. Yes. And that is a significant thing for quarterbacks, right? Especially a guy who might not be ready to start right away. So like, I I mean, I'm okay. Like, again, I'm not sold on Hendon Hooker, but I'm not going to say you wouldn't take him at 29 versus 40. I would almost argue that if you are going to take Hendon Hooker, you better take him at 29 because you can't guarantee he's there at 40. But I still don't think that that, that he's the guy. Maybe you can move down a couple spots and get some more picks too. Not if you're trying to draft Hendon Hooker. That's my point. No, but even say at 29, if you think that's even still too little early for Hooker, maybe you can get back even later in the first and still nab him. It's like you're not listening to me at all, Steve. What if you trade back and then the guy you traded for, the team you traded with, drafts Hendon Hooker? Right. I, I, I hear you there. I just don't think that I, – I could be obviously totally wrong. We're still way early into the whole NFL draft countdown shenanigans, but I just don't think Hooker's going to be a guy that's thought of in the first round. But it is early right now. I agree. Well, so one of the – like people give the Saints crap about not trading up. I mean, sorry, not trading back. And I think one of the reasons that you need to understand they don't do that is because the Saints are kind of a target drafting team. They are not a team that – sits around and and then like waits to see who's there and then drafts from a pool available. They identify their targets and then they go get them. And so the reason you don't see them trade down is because when they make their evaluation and they're confident about a player, they're confident and they go get them. They don't want to they don't want to take a guy who they might have an 80 grade on when there's a guy they have a 95 grade on and the reason they took the 80 was because they were trying to get cute. Like look at the Giants. For example, another Giants one is they traded down from 10 with the Bears who went and went up and got Justin Fields and they were like, well, we'll just take whoever's there at 20-something. And you know who that player was that they drafted? Kadarius Toney, the, the, the wide receiver who is now on the Chiefs in playing in the Super Bowl next week, right? So like, it's not as simple as, well, we're going to get the most value and by doing that, we're taking a player that we might not be as confident in from a grade perspective. Now, again, the Saints 
have a bad habit of whiffing on these players that they're confident in anyway. So that doesn't necessarily add up. But that's the reason you don't see a lot of trades back because fundamentally it goes against the philosophy of we're, we have we really like this guy, we're going to go get him. No, that's something even, I think it was Ireland that mentioned at the Senior Bowls, it's, you know, you don't wait around for your guy. You Like you just said, it's it's all about, that's our dude, we want him, we're going to go get him. That's it, simple as that. No, no fucking around with it. And again, like I said, traditionally speaking, you don't find you're not finding a starting quarterback outside of the first round. At least, you know, other, otherwise it's just dumb luck, and you're not trying to throw darts, right? Like, that's another thing Ireland said. It's like you're not you're not just throwing darts and hoping you hit something. That's that's not what good drafting teams do. <laughs> um, here's Leslie again says first round, please no Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson is one of the more f- fascinating players to me because I've watched him play a good bit. You know, like I've watched him lose to LSU <laughs> um, and look bad doing it. And it's like, that's the guy that everyone's like convinced is a top 10 pick. I like he can't like, he, I don't, I don't, I don't think he can throw like at least not with accuracy. Like he can, he can make all the combine throws and that's, what's going to end up happening is he's going to go to the combine. Everyone's going to get enamored with his 40 time and he's going to make these Zach Wilson practice throws and everyone's going to be like, wow, he can do it. He can make all the throws. But then it's like, put it on the tape guys. Like, don't look at the like the plays that he extends for 20 seconds and then find somebody in the end zone. Look at every other play, <laughs> right? Look at the baseline. It's not there, and and like it's it's wild to me that suddenly Anthony Richardson is a top 10 pick. I don't I don't get it. But as long as the Saints aren't drafting him, okay, I agree with you, Leslie. I would think yeah, accuracy and just decision making in general are a problem for me with him. I agree. Uh, Louise Lockett is the Saints NFC South dynasty over. Well, I think yes. I, I think definitively it is, considering the Bucks have won the NFC South for two consecutive seasons. But when we need, when do we get a Hall of Fame quarterback back in New Orleans? Maybe we can start ruling the roost again. Right. But what I will say is that it's open for the taking. Whichever team finds a quality quarterback first has a massive head start in the next NFC South dynasty. Right. Like, think about this. Think about this for a second. Sam Bradford's like, who, me? Sam Bradford? Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Sorry, sorry. I don't know. Sam Bradford might be the best option in the NFC South, right? Sam Darnold is the longest tenured quarterback in the NFC South right now, right? Like, the only quarterback on the Bucs roster with Tom Brady retiring is Kyle Trask. The only quarterback on the Saints roster right now is Jameis Winston, who they have benched and, like, they would never go back. Like, maybe they do go back to him because they don't have any other options, but like, that's awkward. You're going to have to, you're going to have to mend some fences first, right? We'll see Jake Lutton before we see Jameis Winston. Luton. Yes. He is the only other player that is actually rostered by the Saints is Jake Luton. See, I don't, I don't want to go all fancy with the last name and it is fancy. It just looks like Lutton to me. It is fancy. He's tall. He's handsome. Fourth round pick. Got great hair. <laughs> I'm sure that'll that'll go great in the stat sheet. Right. And then Desmond Ritter, right? Like a guy who threw for 78 yards or whatever it was against the Saints. Um and we in his in his rookie debut. Like like these are the quarterbacks in the NFC South. So all that is to say, like, while the yes, the dynasty, the five straight NFC South championships, yeah, of course that's over. But there's no reason that the Saints can't get a quarterback and be the dominant team in the NFC South again because there is no dominant team. It just it's just like there for the taking. Yeah, the the Bucks dynasty just went kaput with Brady retiring for sure. Exactly. It was it was it was uh, you know, short-lived. So Luis, she's been making fun of us ever since you left. She says, "I get it. Jeff is like the Frodo Baggins as Steve is Samwise Gamgee except they have beards. That's Luis 
Lockett. Well, first off, Steve is clean shaven. Second off, you are correct. I do have hairy feet. <laughs> and wait, hold on. I think I told you last week that I have a Frodo Baggins Funko Pop. Oh, I was going to get insulted. We were being called hobbits. Halflings. We can go with halflings. I can walk, walk very quietly, which is a lie. I, I think my neighbors would tell you that I do not walk quietly at all. But I do have hairy feet and I do like shiny, shiny objects. I'm I'm six two, so I'm not I'm not part part of the halflings. Uh, I was just bragging. <laughs> Silver chime, one more. Osiris Torrance, uh, offensive lineman from Florida, arguably the best interior blocker in the draft. Yes, Louis, you, he went to he was at UL. He followed Billy Napier down to Florida. Um, he did look really good. Like he he was very much a first round pick out there. Like you, he was not getting moved by anybody. There is one other player that I will mention as like this is a guy who I could see the Saints targeting is um, I, I need to look up his name because I will say it wrong. His name is Ola Sagoon Oluwatimi. He is a center for Michigan who I think profiles very well to kick out to guard. And I think if you're the Saints and you like the development that happened that happens at Michigan from their offensive line, it's still Jim Harbaugh, it's still the same staff. And now you can be like, hey, we have three centers. <laughs> He looked good. He did look good. And and so like like and I and I say this jokingly, but I also say like this the logic you use to draft Caesar Ruiz would be the same logic you use to draft this guy in like the third or fourth round is like you want guys who can cross cross train there. And like if you need a guy to move into center, and like I think he's a guy who you could have be a backup guard center and do both of those things and have a profile like he's going to be like a fourth or fifth round pick but i could see them i could see them drafting him and i need to just learn how to say his name ola sagoon ola Watimi. no no the the o-line is definitely an area that needs addressing really all around i i don't have a problem with the you know looking for any any kind of more help for just depth wise yeah no i think the interior offensive line the interior defensive line are both positions that I think uh, would be worth looking at. But yeah, Osiris Torrance looked very good. You know, he's a guy who maybe the Saints do go after at, at 29 if they're really looking to shore up the interior line because he's a guard. He's definitely a guard. Oh, and you know, Saints fans would... that's a t- That would be a Saints pick right there. And then fans would be... That would drive people nuts. Fans would be so pissed off because, yeah, drafting O-Lyman round one... They would lose their minds, but it would be a good pick, and I would I would say good pick, and everyone would be like, oh, that's definitely the angry crowd noise right there. That's exactly what they sound like. Okay, one more, and then we'll go fly J, fly fly J, fly J, fly high. I think it's fly high. F L Y Y J A I I fly high. What about wide receiver? If Kayshawn is sitting there at twenty nine, I'm not sold on Kayshawn Booty. Personally, I've watched a lot of Kayshawn Booty. And he has not like he's going to get drafted in the first round based solely on the game against Ole Miss three years ago. <laughs> like, like he has not reached that point again, and he has been very good, but he has not been a first round pick in my opinion. Um, there are a lot of intriguing wide receivers in this draft, but I'm not going after Kayshawn. Like the reason Kayshawn is in this draft, in my opinion, unless you believe the rumors, is that this is a very weak wide receiver draft now i think jordan addison is good what's his name the kid from michigan state hold on that you think you still think kashan is a first round pick this year though someone might do it um but i don't like him uh, jaden reed from michigan state is the guy who i don't know where he's going to go in the draft but if you're if you're out at the senior bowl and you're watching these guys run around he's unguardable 
Like he he was just running alone the entire the entire week. Uh, so that's the guy I would look at. But um, I don't think you're going to see the Saints go wide receiver in the first round two years in a row, especially because you feel pretty confident in the two young receivers you have, and you want to develop them, not add more traffic to that room. Now you might go out and sign somebody. Um, I think you do need to bring in a veteran that isn't Traquan Smith. But I don't. I don't think you're using the first round pick on a on a receiver. I'd be surprised if you draft a receiver at all. He's such a good blocker. He is so good, so good. He blocks. He blocks like a pro. Um, here's one more from Leslie. Trade both fifth round picks to move up and get an offensive guard to replace Andrews. Please, 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 please. Leslie has very specific requests, and I appreciate that. He's not messing around. No, I think, and, and I think this was another frustrating year, obviously, for you know dealing with Andrews. Pete just. We know what kind of player he is, and it just you you know every every season is going to be a struggle with him dealing with some kind of ailment. Yeah, no, I, I think you you need to do something at the interior line. I, that's why, like, I, I'd be perfectly fine with Osiris Torrance at twenty nine if you if you got there, right? Like, I think you I think that is a very important position to shore up, even if even with Andres Pete still on the roster, because like. You're at a point where you just need quality depth, and like I love Calvin Throckmorton, but I'm tired of seeing him on the field. Right? Like <laughs> he's not the guy. We know that he's solid, a practice squad guy, but he's not the guy you want to start every time Andres Peak gets hurt, which is like once every three games. Um, so no, yeah, and and one of the pillars of these teams we've seen when they were so successful. Obviously, that the 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 strength of the O line, the depth of the O line, and yeah, that's. We'll be talking, I'm sure, a lot about building that back up in this offseason. I agree. But all right, I think that's it for me. You got anything else, Steve, before we head out? No, just counting down to college baseball season. I don't know if you're a fan. I don't, I can't, no, no, you're not getting me in that one. Uh, but you should tune into Sports Talk tomorrow from 4 to 7 p.m. Steve and I are hosting. I say tomorrow, this is a podcast. So Friday, 4 to 7 p.m., WWL AM 870 FM. 105.3 and always free on the Odyssey app just like this podcast that you should already get subscribed to if you haven't done that already leave us a 5 star rating because you love us and we have hairy feet yeah this has been fun thanks everyone for listening thanks everyone for throwing in comments and suggestions and hobbit comparisons it's all been fun I enjoy it cast the ring into the fire Frodo yes we're going to cast the ring of this podcast into the fire of the internet thanks everybody all right Peace.